0: Hello, and welcome to the Community Mennonite Church Podcast. This week's sermon is by Pastor Jennifer Davis Sensenig. Donna Markova ends her poem, I Will Not Die an Unlived Life, with these words. I choose to risk my significance, to live so that which came to me as seed goes to the next as blossom, and that which came to me as blossom goes on as fruit. (laughs) Jesus risked his significance He lived, as Clarence Jordan put it, in a crucifiable situation in tension with the world. We know some measure of the world's brutality. We have been to the abyss of grief over personal losses, abuse, estrangement, and political dead ends. We have grown cold with indifference. We have become rigid in our religion. We have despaired of our sin, the mess we have made of our lives, and the mess we have made of God's creation. Yet on Easter Sunday and every day, the church proclaims hope. We confess Jesus, the center of our faith, as God's Messiah, anointed to bring peace to the nations, good news to the poor, deliverance for the oppressed, healing for our diseases and forgiveness for our sins, to bring a kingdom that is a whole new way of being in this world. Today we celebrate that though the world killed him, Jesus is risen and our hope for ourselves and for our world is fresh again, like tender blossoms and ripening fruit. I sometimes worry that progressive-minded church people will minimize Jesus' resurrection in favor of some disembodied values. Is it reasonable to believe that a man who was tortured and killed was, after several days in a tomb, brought back to life by God? We believe it, but it's not entirely reasonable. Reason gets us a long way, but not all the way to resurrection faith. But I know the church needs resurrection. So I'm believing it again this year, that he is risen. Join me. Join the apostles, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, and the others. They went to the tomb because, like us, they loved Jesus. And it wasn't only admiring love. They went to the tomb because their love made them responsible to treat his body with dignity. They risked much to visit the tomb that morning. These are the same women mentioned in Luke chapter 8 who had the money to fund Jesus' ministry from Galilee all the way to Jerusalem. They made their resources available for Jesus and whomever he touched, whomever he healed or called or delivered. When they watched him breathe his last on the cross, did they regret their investment? In their grief, did they blow their wad on the spices and ointment? Or did they haggle with merchants to get the goods cheap, saving whatever was left to get themselves and their friends out of the city and safely home? We don't know. We know that they loved him. They felt responsible for his body. And there was work to be done. You know, preparing the corpse for a final Sabbath and disintegration over time, that's what happens to the bodies of those who die. But they did not find the body. Good news and bad news, right? Good news! No work to be done, ladies! (laughs) Who doesn't want to hear that? Bad news, they spent all the money on memorial arrangements and he's not dead after all. (laughs) But because of the resurrection, the women's love and their responsibility and their wealth and their work, maybe even their grief and their regret, had to be redirected. THE BIBLE DESCRIBES THEIR REORIENTATION AS A CONVERSATION, A VERY BRIEF CONVERSATION IN A TOMB WITH THIS BEDAZZLED DUO. AND THEN THEY BEGAN A FRESH MINISTRY OF HOPE IN JESUS' NAME. TALK ABOUT RISKING THEIR SIGNIFICANCE. THEY BECAME APOSTLES, SHARING THE GOOD NEWS OF JESUS, RAISED FROM THE DEAD. They began with their closest contacts, but having no credentials, they were women. No one believed them. Their words seemed to them an idle tale. You know, I've preached Easter sermons that mildly scold those bad male disciples for not believing the women and hinting pastorally all the while that women have the same credibility and status as men if you're going to be Christian about these matters. And we are. So assuming all that, it's still true that words can be idle. Words about resurrection are insufficient. Saying so doesn't make it so. Human language isn't enough for us to hold resurrection, to grasp that Jesus Christ is risen, powerfully alive and among us, always. Among those who heard this message, Peter suddenly becomes the fact checker. (laughs) He went to the tomb, and he didn't find the body either. Later, after Jesus has appeared to the women and the men who knew him best, it's recorded in Acts that Peter also became an apostle. Like the women before him, he shares the good news of Jesus' resurrection. And with a rather unlikely audience, the Acts passage that we heard this morning is one of Peter's sermons. Talk about risking his significance. He's preaching to a military commander's household. He starts off right away with God's message of peace for all nations, and he winds up the sermon with forgiveness in Jesus' name. In the middle, he has this gem. He says that Jesus went about helping people, healing everyone who was being beaten down by the devil. And of resurrection, he says, that God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear to some specially chosen witnesses, the ones who were there to eat and drink with him when he came back from the dead. The ones who eat and drink with him? What difference does that make? Bible scholar Marianne, Marianne Sawicki says that it only becomes possible to apprehend resurrection when we are a community where some of us are hungry, where some of us recognize the hungers among us, and where we meet some of those needs in Jesus' name. In other words, ministry, all kinds of ministry, care for the poor and those who need forgiveness and justice and food and friendship and love, isn't just a result of believing some words about Jesus' resurrection. A ministry community is is kind of like the garden in which resurrection blossoms are seen and enjoyed, where fruit, Jesus' resurrection, is as real and sweet as the taste of the first strawberry. Jesus' resurrection is not apprehended through reason alone. Reason gets us a long way, but not all the way to resurrection faith. The spiritual truth of Jesus' resurrection is known and lived through our bodily human needs and our responses to the needs around us. For many months, our congregation has offered special prayers for a baby, When Arthur was safely delivered, we rejoiced. We knew Arthur would have some complex physical needs. Indeed, he lived for his first five months and more in a neonatal intensive care unit. Now Arthur is at home, and we are celebrating that he and his parents can develop more ordinary rhythms as a family, even as he still requires some special care. Visiting Arthur during Holy Week helped me apprehend something about Jesus' resurrection. I'll try to put it in words. Arthur has a feeding tube in his small intestine. He has had a continuous supply of food, and that's been good for growth and development in the NICU. Now that he's home, rather than continuous nutrition, he's learning how to be hungry and to eat. That's how bodies thrive. The gradual weaning from continuous feeding requires the family to get hungry, to notice hunger, and respond to hunger. Our hope and our prayer is that as Arthur grows, he will develop physical patterns of a blessed hunger, and enjoy the holy feast of being fed and eating. The Church lives as a resurrection body, confident that the risen Lord is among us and between us as we become hungry, as we recognize the needs and hungers among us and in our community, and as we meet those needs in Jesus' name. It's in these imperfect ministry exchanges that the resurrection becomes our faith. And there might be more to it. In the Gospel of Luke, the risen Jesus always seems to be hungry. You remember the story um, when he's on the road to Emmaus? Jesus needs a meal and a place to stay. Two disciples invite him in, though they don't realize it's the Lord. It's during the shared meal that Jesus' resurrection becomes real. Until then, it was just a report to be debated. Until Jesus broke the bread, resurrection just seemed idle words. And later, as these two disciples tell the others about meeting Jesus in Emmaus, the Lord appears to all of them, but they aren't really certain. They ask all these questions until he says, Do you have anything here to eat? And they give him some fish, and he eats it. While this hunger and sharing and eating and feasting Well, literally, at the Last Supper, Jesus told his friends that he would fast. He wasn't going to eat or drink ever again until the kingdom of God comes. No wonder the risen Jesus is hungry. He's been fasting for days. The risen Jesus is hungry. He's a needy stranger. He's poor, incarcerated, an immigrant, a child, hungry. And that's why your hunger and you are welcome here. If your need is great, you belong right here. Your hunger for justice is necessary for this community. Feeding and caring and visiting and serving and resisting oppression must be our practice, or the church's claim that Christ is risen will seem but idle words our investments of love and responsibility and resources and wealth, even our grief and regret can be redirected in the name of the risen Lord. Our theme as a church during Lent has been blessed hunger, holy feast. It's Easter, so we feast. Our meal at the Lord's table is real It's real bread and real wine. Actually, it's grape juice. (laughs) It's a symbolic meal, right? Because we already ate breakfast. We're not literally hungry. But we are hungry for resurrection life. We want God's message of peace to be lived through this body. We need forgiveness of our sins. We want to be known as the kind of people who go about helping people and healing everyone who's being beaten down by the devil. Let's join the apostles and be those who eat and drink with the risen Lord, who come together in exchanges of care and blessing and grace and service in Jesus' name. I don't know about you, but sometimes our Christian season of Lent holy week easter it really fits the timing of the bible stories we tell aligns with the very stories we are living it's like god is speaking to us hallelujah at other times don't you just feel out of sync here it is easter and we're angry or we're disillusioned or grieving Friends, we are the body of Christ, so the whole life of Christ has made us who we are. Jesus' life and his teaching and suffering and death and resurrection and reign is our lifeblood. Whether we feel it or feel out of sync this year, we are a resurrection body. As Community Mennonite Church, we believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. We believe, as Peter preached, that Jesus was God's message of peace for all nations. And when we're hungry, and when we're addressing the deep hungers of the world, Christ risen from the dead, beyond reason, becomes a revelation. We believe it. Hallelujah. Community Mennonite Church is a peace church where everyone is welcome. We inspire one another to live generous lives in the name of Jesus. As you leave today, notice the hunger in yourselves, in our community, in our world. Let's respond to the needs around us, and we will meet the risen one. We don't know the timing. People in the Bible always seem surprised. We know it will mean risking our significance. Let us celebrate the blessed hunger of Jesus among us and the holy feast prepared for us. Let us eat and drink together with the risen Christ so that like Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary and Peter and all the rest, we might be apostles of this good news. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the Community Mennonite Church podcast. Our theme music is a setting of John Wesley's text, Jesus, I Believe You're Near, composed by Matt Carlson. Jeremy Nafziger arranged it for strings. To learn more about our congregation or to plan a visit, please check out our website at cmcva.org.